I'm Ryan Johnson. I'm Tyler Schmidt. I'm Lou Janu. And this is Car Talk, a podcast about trading cards. We're here to teach you everything you need to know about flipping cards. Whether it's the next breakout rookie, a new Magic the Gathering release on the way, or Pokemon's 25th anniversary, we'll break it all down. So sit back and listen up. Those cards collecting dust in your closet could make you some real cash. Welcome to Car Talk. Welcome back to Car Talk. The voice you're hearing right now is not Ryan's, surprisingly, but it is Lou stepping in for this week. We're taking a mini summer break to recover from the National. Do have a couple interviews for you guys. So the first one we're going to do, the football developers, Robin Thomas from Panini. We went out to visit them. We sat down with them, got some cool content here for you guys. So take a take a listen and enjoy. All right, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to Card Talk. I'm Ryan, joined as always by Tyler and Lou. And today we've got two special guests with us. We've got Rob and Thomas from Panini's Football Line here to join us, talk about the football products, this new Elite Football out now, and a couple other topics. So, Rob, Thomas, appreciate you guys coming on. Thanks for having us. Football. Rye, you're a big football guy. Big football guy. I, have a, I will have an image in my head forever from the last Dallas show, the smile you had on your face when you came back. With, I think it was the Peyton one-on-one. Yes. NFL oh, the Shield, yeah. The Shield. Um, yeah, we've always, we've talked a lot on the show, fascination just around, obviously, the amount of positions, position players. There's QBs, wide receivers, running backs. We had a debate on that last episode about, uh, I'm getting yelled at for my mic placement, about, um, a rookie uh, running backs and tight ends or wide receivers long term. And I think there's so many different variables when it comes to football. So I'm excited to get into it. Um, I think we're going to pop open some of this, talk design of different products. But I'd like to just kick it off with when you're coming up, Tom, with, and thinking of the development of a product, Where do, what, what's the foundation of, of the start? Like, what, where's the first kind of concepting go? I mean, I think from the get-go, obviously, you're just trying to decipher, you know, what you want to be the brand makeup. I mean, it can be the base to where, you know, it parallels and you get all the unique substrates, unique colors, you know, if you really wanted to go that route. Or you have a one-pack box where it's just mainly about the hits, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's really, you know, what uh, customer base you're trying to hit with that particular program. Uh, When it comes to one like Elite, I mean... A lot of it is based off of the base. You know, we have the status aspirations, you know, the die cuts there and all the different uh, sequential numberings from, you know, high up to 399 and down to the 101s, you know, and each parallel stands out with the unique substrates and the color to them there. So um, when you get to that and then, you know, we get our elite pen pals, you know, that have been a brand staple here for the couple of years since we took it out of National Treasures. and. You know, the turn of the century autographs are another, you know, big staple here. So I think you're really just trying to uh, make sure you encompass a little bit of everything from the hits to the inserts and to the parallels. Make sure you kind of got a good mix there. And one of the things I like about Elite, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Elite is typically really the transition, really the start of NFL jerseys and products, right? So this will typically be the first product where you'll see any of the players in an NFL jersey. Right. Yep, and I mean, with this rendition of it, usually we have them uh, for the rookies in this. You usually try to get the uh, rookies in NFL gear here, but because of uh, some time constraints here, we ended up ended up having it more for the uh, pen pals. So definitely still in there, but uh, you'll see a lot of the rookies will be in their collegiate. And then we have uh, rookie variations, which will have them with their uh, helmets off. So definitely need to look out for that. And Tyler is... Uh 
eager to start ripping. <laughs> yeah, I'm breaking the rules. Just a jump right bit. into it. How uh, how many total NFL kind of product lines are there, or, or football? Uh, I guess you uh, should just say. on the NFL side. I think we do thirty-seven, and then then we have our CLC, which is what. Uh, it's going to be Prism. Oh, well, like what does CLC stand oh, for? Oh, sorry. It's our collegiate line. Collegiate. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yep. Kind of keep that, uh, keep yeah, that separate. Yeah, a big collegiate guy. Yeah. So they did Chronicles. They did uh, Prism, Contenders, and then they'll have uh, Flawless and Immaculate, I believe, for the higher end lines a little bit later. Yep. And NT. And when you think, well, I think we want to pop open some of these and, and talk about design, but what, what I heard you say kind of about, which I think would be so fun to like sit back and, you know, you pulled, uh, you said uh, there was some elite, uh, ink product that was in National Treasures that you kind of popped into Elite. When, when you step back and look at all the different variations and, uh, and everything, do you guys have any personal favorites and any that have maybe risen kind of for the consumer you know in the last two years i mean one of my favorite older products when i say older in terms of, of lineage uh, uh, elite is, is probably my favorite older product and then select i've loved before everybody got on the select bandwagon over the last couple of years just because it was always just you know the the, the tiered base set is kind of a nod to some of the early 2000s type structures from other companies so that's kind of cool and then you incorporated the silvers and and other things and and then we added the xrc's uh into the 2016 line um which i kind of brought with me because i'm the old guy of the group um you know from from back in the day when when we were here at at, at donner so um that's kind of my favorite newer brand and then elite i just love because the lineage going back you know as baseball inserts in, in the early 90s and, and there's just so much history with the brand and and it's just such a cool break um you can pull you know like thomas said there's great parallels there's tons of, uh, of different autos some on-card stuff some new uh new guys in their in their clone uniforms until we get to to gold standard which is the full uh Kind of, be the first one? Yeah, that'll be our next release and stuff. And, and like Thomas said, typically we would have the rookies in their uniforms in Elite. We would have gotten them at the rookie photo shoot had we had it on time um, in the middle of May. But because that got moved to a virtual event, we couldn't do it. And so we had to alter to the collegiate uh, photos for this last one. But then we did our own photo shoots with the guys. And so gold standard forward is either going to be clones or stuff in the photo shoots that we got, uh, just uh, images we got just a few weeks ago. So you said you've been around for – a while you were with Don Ross and came over here, right? Yeah, I'm very old. Got Thanks. it. <laughs> 25, right? Yeah, Just, sure. Gotcha. Um, something that I hear a lot when we're talking about cards is how Prism has become like this very mainstream set. It's the go-to set everyone wants. Everyone wants the rookie cards. That was the big base. And then you just said you always thought Select was better because of the tier, the tiered system, right? Yeah. Were you surprised by the popularity or are you still surprised by the popularity of Prism over a product like a Select that I've always thought has, because it has a tiered system, it has the more regular base concourse or whatever level. And then there's yeah. this, this, the field level or the court sides where that is a little bit more of a premium type of car because it's more right. limited. You know, honestly, I was surprised even if you compare it to Donner's Optic, to tell you the truth, mm-hmm. because, well, those are on card versus the stickers in, in Prism. But um, I think it's just honestly that uh, there's been so much history um, 
with the Topps Chrome line, to be honest, it started in 96, really, with the, with the basketball. I know it didn't start there, but that's when it sure. started to take off. Um, that people just started to associate the, you know, just the standard regular silver hollow parallels as the cool get. And, and honestly, I guess it was the only get for a while, right? But, and then as Topps did different inserts and things like that, it just continued to pick up steam. So I think that when we started to do prism, um, and especially in basketball, which is where it started, um, I think the crossover there with the collectors from the Topps Chrome line to the prism line just helped really, you know, just explode that particular program. And then the other sports just kind of dragged with it as far as, as the popularity with it. But on his face, you're right. I mean, it's it's. I think it's Select basic. has a better uh, package in terms of of how it's built and, and things like that. And like I said, Donner's Optic with with the on card autographs. But I mean, Prism is what a lot of people have gravitated to, and they've just kind of have held on to it. Right? Yeah, they've just got this is what we're doing, and this is what we started with, and we're we're going to keep going that way. I wonder how much of it is like a flagship type product in a sense, because yeah. like I as a I'm a big time baseball collector, so like I've always you know I've been more of a flagship as opposed to a Chrome buyer. But I, I just think that people are looking for like the main product they know is coming every year and everyone's going to really want and then just ended up everyone gravitated there. I've always thought it was kind of strange that it was Prism, but it's interesting. Uh, but let's be honest, if you're looking at our basketball line though, we don't have, I mean, I know they do hoops and donners and things like that, but it's not like score that's been around forever in football yep. or, or Donruss that kind of was still around and then went away for a while and came back and stuff. So really when we took it over, we didn't really have a, a flagship brand early on. And and so you're right because we didn't really have a, a start out doing a base Donruss. I mean, we did a base Panini, but that didn't really catch on things like that. I think people gravitated to it. Like, you know what? It's, it's not a true base brand in terms, but at the time, it was only a couple bucks more a pack than a base brand, and 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 you're right. I think people just kind of jumped on that as a as a flagship brand for basketball, and then it went on from there. I mean, Ryan just got a huge card. A couple packs. It, in. it completely derailed. What I, I was. I mean, Ryan got, got so distracted. In. We got that Trevor Lawrence rookie. So, oh wow! So <clears throat> I was completely. Are you okay? Yeah, I had a I had a little train of th- had a little train of thought there. He's got his first Cheryl Lawrence kids fired up. <laughs> no, it has oh nothing to do with that. No, Lou threw me off. Lou threw me off there. Um, one of the things Lou actually had mentioned when we were talking to Tracy, and we wanted to kind of bring it back up here was, um, you know, some athletes are harder to get than others. Right? Brady has typically been one that may not be in every single product. How do you guys, uh, you know, Rob? How do you work with maybe the brand managers or? Um, what not to determine what products Brady ends up going in. We talked about Brady with the inscriptions, how those ended up in Spectra and then NT and then Flawless. How does that kind of work with you guys where you're like, hey, this if we only have so many of a certain player, they go in this product versus this product. Is it just you know relevancy and what's coming up or is that more calculated and more futuristic? No, I mean, the guys kind of know. I mean, I, I, for most of the deals we get, we really don't. I, after I give the autograph specs or whatever and, and the deal gets confirmed, I don't go to the guys and say, okay, you have to use this guy. I mean, I really try to be as hands-off as possible and let them be as creative as possible. So, But a guy like Brady, of course, you're going to have him in your high ends, but there's other stuff that makes sense, right? He he makes sense in a lot of different Donruss inserts, even though that is our lowest tier you know, item. Or occasionally when we do a special Tom Brady tribute set like we did in Score, well, let's throw, even though there's only a couple of those in retail you know, for each card, Let's throw them in there just because it makes sense because of the line we're doing. So, um, you know, I think he's he, 
probably stays more out of like mid-range stuff, but but we try to include guys, most of the guys, even if they're just a smidge, right? Even if there's only, you know, numbered out of five or whatever and everything, just to give everybody a chance to pull that particular guy or a Mahomes autograph or whoever it may be in that particular line. Obviously, rookies are a different story because we uh, they're reflected in every program, but but we try to, I mean, I, I think for the most part we try to, and Thomas can can answer a little bit more of this as well, but I think we try to use guys, spread them out more, and, and just use numbering systems where we can get the most possible names in a program, in every program they do. I mean, Rob's right on that. I mean, when it comes to, you know, having a guy like Brady, and he doesn't really dictate, you know, as to where they need to fall. I mean, you'll find Brady autos that are in elite, you know, so there is that chase here, you know, that you could pull out of. In this? Yeah. So, I mean, we definitely want to sprinkle them in there, you know, and allow for collectors to still chase those top end guys, whether it be a score or, you know, a lower end brand. But, you know, it's uh, obviously when we get to the higher end stuff, that's when you see, you know, it's just kind of more packed full of those bigger names, the Mahomes, the Brady's, the top, you know, the Josh Allen's that are not starting to, you know, make that kind of rise. So it's just really trying to keep a good pulse on who is, you know, bringing in the good value at the time and making sure that there's uh, plenty to go around. Well, it's Lou's favorite player. So we got to make sure that that we keep talking about it. Did I hear you say that Elite started as a baseball insert? Yeah, it was part of the Elite Series uh, in Donruss and I think it was 91 the first year. I think it was either 90 or 91. It was an Elite Series. It was numbered out of like 10,000. They had an Elite Series and a Legend Series, and they were just singular cards that people chased Mm -hmm. because they were so rare. Actually, they were if you consider the the amount of packs that were produced back then. And then it just kind of – but it kept being an insert, and then then it just kind of transitioned into its own – brand for both or for baseball hockey and football um in the early to mid 90s it's kind of a sweet zach wilson we got going on here Lou. i just i just wanted to circle back real quick when you said number out of ten thousand, that made me laugh that's like a ridiculous serial number <laughs> but at the time it's like they didn't do serial numbers yeah right so in early 90s yeah what i was gonna say is i i just it's so fun to me the brand development and how you know mosaic i guess of late but you mentioned like out 91 so i was a year i was born which is weird because it always felt like 11 years ago or nine years ago but uh what is are there any inserts that you guys see now that may have legs going into the future like when do those conversations start to begin of you know taking an insight or you know an insert or or kind of a one-off and really starting to develop a brand around it how do those conversations come about i think it's really just as we i mean we review every program after it's done and sometimes there's things that pop out or, or stick out um you know, and some things work and some things don't. Like we tried, um, you know, to break out passing the torch, even though it was a direct line, and, and it, it did fine. Uh, it wasn't what I would say was a home run. Thomas actually <laughs> developed that one too, but it was hard to do. Hard, it, it was just hard to do. Um, there's a lot of things that you think are good, and then when you actually kind of put get past putting pencil to paper, and you actually have to build it and make it budget out and things like that, that it's a lot harder for you yeah. to make work. You know, we wanted to include all these extra dual autographs and triples and quads. And we're like, well, no, don't have the money to quads, <laughs> mark that off and stuff. So, yep. um, you know, and then, other, but like mosaic, you know, that just, that spun from, 
replay in basketball as an insert or as, as a replacement to cover some of the replay things. And then that went to its own individual brand that was sold. And then it exploded into like this regular yeah, full, full, full. Yeah. And, and we just kind of threw it in cause we were like, well, we think this will work in football and it, you know, it just blew up obviously. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, um, the main thing we try to do is, is, you know, to give you your best value and, and your best money in each box and putting things like, like pen pals, how they ended up here from national treasures, because we felt that elite needed a little bit, something else at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, to help it give better it's just like absolute absolute like year in and year out was just it was a good program it still is but it's probably a double if you want to make a baseball comparison that's why we said let's put kaboom there mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden after we did that absolutely everybody yeah. absolute's incredible but they're chasing kabooms out of there so yeah. we try to be strategic with where we put stuff if we think a brand may need a little help that's why we do things like that yeah yeah how about um you know some of the actual design process you know, on, on an annual basis, like how, how much, you know, time, energy, effort, what's the team kind of look like? Is it a year over year, similar kind of designer that's, that's taking kind of the first crack at, uh, yeah. at how you kind of land on, Hey, all right, this is, this is the final, you know, lock up and design. It's 1.37 PM. That's my alarm. Sorry about that. You know, with that hollow board, film board that we use and the foil that's a uh, kind of full coverage of it. Um, I've always kind of liked it to have like a sleek design to where it's not too much foil. Um, I think when it gets to the parallels, it really helps, you know, the cards stand out when it does get to different colors. Or What was that? He just pulled, he pulled. Yeah, and I think that's one of my favorite parallels, honestly, that come out of the base set. Um, and I mean, he just pulled another one over it's here too. Really so, nice car too. yeah, I love the look of that. But I mean, to your point, what, what what one's that over there? And, and when you say like this is one of your favorite parallels, meaning kind of like this of twenty five. Yeah, just the design. substrate alone itself. You know the way that it kind of pops off the card at you when you do pull it out of a pack. You know, yeah. you know, you got something pretty decent there. Yeah. Um, Yep. But I mean, when it comes to the actual, you know, deciding on the design, you know, that's getting with our design team, kind of have an idea when we go through our briefs as to ultimately what we want to see on the card and kind of let them run with it. We try not to uh, dictate to them too much, you know, to be like, oh, we have to have this. Yeah. Only on certain cards that, you know, like the kabooms or the, you know, the color blast, stuff like that. We want to make sure, you know, they nail that. But, yep. you know, we try to give them some kind of freedom to kind of run with it. And Makes sense. We've so, got a good staff. I just pulled a J.J. Watt in a Cardinals uniform, right? And I think you'll see this throughout the hobby with all sports where, you know, really where's that first time you see a person in their, you know, next uniform, right? When they get traded. Brady in a Bucks uniform. Right. I remember KD in a Warriors uniform was big when, at the National one year. You guys put those in silver packs. How does, like, how does that get determined, right? Where, you know, I saw a Julio Jones that is in a Falcons uniform, but Watt is in a Cardinals. Is that just a timeline thing? It is a timeline thing, especially with Julio just getting traded within the past, I want to say, a month or two. Um, I mean, this was already kind of in uh, production as to it needing to be printed and whatnot. So these clones were done real early uh, as soon as uh, a lot of those guys ended up changing teams during free agency and stuff like that. Then we're already on the ball trying to get all those guys updated to these new teams. So um, our team ends up, you know, cranking out those new, you know, 
new clones of these guys and you know it pops off the card when you know especially when you're pulling a yeah. jj white you're so used to seeing him with the texans that you see him in cardinals you kind of do a double take there so it's a uh, kind of gives you know the arizona cardinals fans a chance to go after somebody different than your regular uh larry fitzgerald's of the world and stuff like that a <laughs> little bit of a little bit of a turn when you guys are thinking about we talked about Kaboom just now. When you're thinking about who to put in 2021 Kaboom, right? Where do the decisions get made of like, these are the rookies we're going to use. These are the vets we're going to use. He might have been in it twice already. But we're going to throw him in again. Or is there like thought against that? Is it people who were popping in the previous year? No, there's definitely thought behind that. Um, a lot of times, you know, if we want to split it up between a vet and, you know, a rookie set like that, then we want to make sure that, you know, we're getting in the top rookies that you mm-hmm. want in there. You're going to have your top five quarterbacks from this year and most of the top, you know, inserts just because we sure. know that's – that's what drives the product. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to guys kind of duping up year after year, I mean, of course, you're going to want to have Brady in there, you know, when it comes to Spellbound or stuff like that, just so you can chase those cards. You know that you're going to get good value out of those guys. And it's always nice to be able to have a guy like Josh Allen who is starting to kind of take an uptick and see him kind of working into the, some of those inserts. And uh, I see a look on your face not taking to that one, but, uh, you know, stuff like that to where <laughs> – but, I mean, you, you kind of see guys like that who end up uh, starting to take the league by storm a little bit there and, you know, want to make sure that they're uh, represented. As we talk about Josh Allen, I just pulled the quarterback's first playoff win is a big hit. That's huge. It says Ascension. Ascension? Ascension, Josh Allen. More like a peak of a peak of a career kind of There thing. is a Tom Brady on a boat for Ascension, so go, go find that one. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> but I was, what I was wondering was, like, if you ever, like you're saying, you like try to pick a guy who might take a leap, and that's the card you want to get. Has there been a little bit one that was maybe a little bit offbeat? Like you wouldn't have expected them to either be in it and then they pop off in recent memory? Not even Kaboom necessarily. No, else. I'll, I'll kind of play joke to my uh, old assistant, but uh, we had Taylor Heineke and Flawless, you know, rookie set this year. And, you know, I, I kind of got a little bit of crap for that one, but it's also somebody that, you know, it's his first card in a Redskins uniform and it actually sold pretty decently out there on this, you mm-hmm. know, on the market. So you kind of take, you know, little jumps like that to see if, you know, somebody does get a little bit of collectability out of it. Right. And some guys have a little cult following, you know, and it's a, uh, it's nice to see. Totally. Yeah. Well, shout out to uh, Ty. You might remember uh, John Coker, big time hack collector. Of course. Yeah. Also Tyler Schmidt, big time Christian Hackenberg fan as well. Hack. <laughs> he loves. We we I, I believe yeah. uh, in the deepest part of my soul. Too. I'm so I thought Hackenberg was bringing the Jets uh, Super Bowl. Uh, it's one I of the all time. Going to do something picks. too. I was a, I'm a big Penn State fan, so I was hoping see, that you would uh, oh, do something. The podcast has begun. Yeah, number one <laughs> community in college. Remember that? <laughs> number one community in college sports. What an outrageous guys. thing to say. <laughs> the Penn State selecting community in the. I haven't world. gotten one auto yet. How's that possible? Yeah, I mean, you'll get I, the, the rap generally is that they put busts into the NFL, but. Um, do you have a favorite color, or? kind of form of parallel do you have a favorite color oh, parallel to work lives? with yeah yeah like I, I look i'm a big purple parallel guy some people might know that but i would love to hear do you have like a, a favorite kind of parallel or go-to i do mean you ever put your foot down in certain spots and say this is how it's gonna be <laughs> i mean i think obviously you know the gold is usually a staple in most of our programs that we do i think that's uh, kind of what makes people gravitate towards that one but i mean 
Um, I hate to say it, I'm I'm a Giants fan, so anytime you know that matches up with a nice blue or a red in there, you know I'm I'm pretty much sold there, so I can't uh, complain when it comes to that. Love a good color match. Although the the purple and obsidian looks amazing. Oh yeah, the, the flood purple. on those. Agreed. The Agreed. flood parallel. Yep. And like when we changed the contenders red flood parallel a couple of years ago, it really stood out versus just doing a foil. That was a whole other thing too. What I think was it Prism where they. You guys changed. I said they. I'm like sitting here with you guys. You guys, <laughs> you guys changed around. I think it was the colors, like with the different serial numbers. What brought you there? Was it just you were trying to get different to mix it up a little bit, or? Yeah, it's usually just to trying to kind of change up the feel year after year. You know, yeah. um, most of the staples when it comes to the ones you know like ten or less or whatnot will keep, but it's kind of the middle package that will kind of interchange there to kind of you know just change up the look of it. You don't want to pull the purple plaid year after year after year. You right. know, you get a green plaid or something like that after. So it uh, especially when you know you have such a iconic rainbow chase you know in prism that you want to kind of change it up. Yeah, I weirdly think that it should change like every year. Like the colors and the numbers should like vary from year to year. I think that just make it more interesting. Because yeah, purple was ninety nine for a while, and then in some sets seventy five. Right. And and so you're saying the full every on time it switch should switch up. around. Gold vinyl probably stays the same. Mm-hmm. Gold probably stays the same. But like everything else should like and green becomes you know out of two nine or whatever. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So is I feel like more of late one of like black is one of one maybe in, in certain products or like gold is like of five or or ten like black and optic is pandora it's out of 25 but in prism it's 101 yeah right so it's different in a lot of you know a lot of brands yeah, and you just don't want to see the same color mix for every single you know OptiChrome brand that we do stuff like that so just kind of keeping it fresh between brand to brand so they all have their own identity there yep how about when you look at the calendar, you know, for the full year of football, mm-hmm. are you doing similar exercises of saying, hey, how do, are there certain nuances to the calendar each year that we can put switch-ups into? Or do people like more of the consistency of the release over the season? Obviously, it's been a weird two years. Right. You know? Right. Um, for the most part, we've had some pretty solid releases uh, in football. Uh, I mean, there was a time when, like, from 15 to 16, 16 to 17, where we flipped out of stuff, we tried stuff and didn't work, flipped it out. So really, right now, we've gotten to a point where we only flip out stuff if we just want to freshen it up, right? So, like, clearly Donruss was huge in basketball. It did really well in Chronicles. And plates and patches have been a little stagnant, so we're actually going to flip that in and move the plates and patches, some of the key concepts, into Chronicles. So we're going to do clearly Donruss in that spot. Or the direct lines that we do a couple of direct products each year that gives us freedom to uh, switch around things like the honors brand that we do. It's very hard to acquire all those buybacks and get autographs and stuff. That's why we do that typically every two to three years. So, um, so this year we're bringing back, uh, we're doing a, a dual form of classic. So we're doing a classics premium edition. That's all Chrome. That's only, that'll be our direct line, but then we're doing a, an, an H2 version of the paper product for hobby stores, uh, just to kind of give them something something cool to sell that'll be a little bit more price point friendly. Um, and a lot of people like classics a lot. And it, it, it's, it's like the brand that, that has a clear line. I mean, either you love it or you hate classics. And so, um, but hobby stores, distributors didn't like it, but hobby stores always did. So the fact we're bringing it back as H2, hopefully that'll be really good for, for those guys. And then we've had, you know, Zenith, I think, you know, spun Zenith into a big, you know, a bigger brand from just being a direct brand, things like that. So 
We'll switch up a, a couple items right now, but really the the calendar has been uh, the guys have just done a, just a bang up job with, with these with these programs and, and the products. They all do well even before the explosion that's happened over the last twelve to eighteen months. Um, I think our guys have done a phenomenal job uh, with building the programs up. So we we the only time fortunately that we're really having to flip stuff out is just if we feel like it or if we want to try something new or uh, brand has worked in another sport that we'd really like to to do in football. So. Here's a, a fun question, and, and we were talking earlier. I think it's just fun to, as you look at the product and kind of humanize with some of the decision makers, do you have a, a product decision, and I'll ask both of you, that you've made, both that you can recall as like a win and you were pumped about, like insight, you personally saw, hey, put it into the product and it worked, and then maybe one that you didn't, that, that you thought, that you were confident about and didn't land, you know, in a similar in a similar way. Um, let's see if I can remember mine. Cause I'm a few years removed from making programs, but when I first came back um, in uh, at the end of 2015, right after we got the full license for NFL, um, I came back as a brand manager. So I, I one of my first products I created from scratch was impeccable. Um, I love that product. So that's probably my favorite just because of the look and the feel. Um, it's very classy and, and, and I love that other sports picked it up and things like that. Um, the misses, probably one from semi scratch that was still ours that we missed on, or at least at the time was maybe Vertex. It didn't like resonate, and we thought it would. It seems to have resonated afterwards. There was either even somebody that had a bring back Vertex Twitter or something like that. Right? <laughs> so, Classic. But, uh, but that was kind of I can't remember what basketball program we kind of spun that off of, like some of the base designs. Um, yeah, yeah. And then naturally, of course, it's going to end up exploding with Mahomes and everybody else yeah. in that group. But it didn't, it didn't, it took a while to hit. And so that was the one we was kind of puzzling to us based on how the cards looked and, and felt. And we thought it was going to be a great launch. And, and it was just me. Yeah. So, how are you guys feeling about the calendar in terms of? Like Tyler was saying, like everything's gotten switched up a lot recently, and like products have come out a little bit later. Like I think Prison Basketball came out in like December or November, whatever. Are you guys gonna keep that same timing, or do you think you'll end up going back to how it used to be pre-COVID? I think uh, I think we want to get back to you know <laughs> where where we normally <laughs> to not being things. in a massive crunch at all. Times. Um, you know, I mean the uh, let's be honest. I mean the the worker shortage and stuff has affected uh, not just our us here or our mem room that, that handles all our cutting and things like that, but the printer and, and, you know, when you start talking about the printer, you start talking about a lot more companies and just, you know, um, Panini for that part. So that's kind of, you know, it just as pushed everything just back in terms of getting materials or getting workers. I mean, it's just as with like almost everything else you see, whether it's trying to drive through a fast food line or, or go to a restaurant now and you're sure. waiting 30 minutes longer than normal, it's just, everything is just kind of, been a lot slower so yeah hopefully we'll get back to just you know releasing this i mean elite should have come out like a month ago i think but, right you know and, and yeah we want to get back in those windows that people are traditionally looking for our products and this you know prism like you said usually comes out here contenders usually comes out here mm -hmm. yeah we'll expect that, that. that's one thing i noticed this year especially like i'm like the college stuff is my thing i enjoy it so much and I love ripping it on like the draft, right. like NFL drafts on. Let's rip a case of this and enjoy it. And I noticed this year there wasn't really. I don't think there was anything out hmm. on, on the time the NFL draft comes around. And typically, you guys are like I know last year you had Prism draft out, right. and 
I don't know if contenders was out, but it was pretty close. So yeah, it's definitely, I know COVID's changed a lot of that stuff. We saw it really with basketball. That's when I really noticed it again, like to lose point prison basketball was December yeah. Zion's rookie year. And then it came out way later for LaMelo. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see once we get back there. And it's, it's tough though, because this is, you know, we're in such a go, 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 go society to just slow everything down, especially as you have a massive boom right. in sports cards to slow everything down is, yeah. you know. No, there's no doubt. But yeah, if we can get back to our, again, quote unquote, normal calendar, we're, we would love to get back in, in that spot and be, you know, have our rookie photos. I mean, hopefully we're taking a good first step here with the national here in a couple of weeks and, and the summit, uh, you know, a little bit after that. And, and uh, I know the basketball is having a combination photo shoot um, with the uh, summer league in Vegas. Um, so they're, they're actually having a, a regular photo shoot where, where we were quite on the edge where we couldn't quite have one with, with the PA. So hopefully we just keep taking steps to get and all that stuff also puts us behind, right? If we, uh, another reason why we're behind on football is because we had to do all the clones like we had to do last year, because we had no idea if we were going to get to do any type of photo shoot or anything like that. And so that's just, that's a ton of man hours, especially with football, because, you know, with basketball, it's much easier, much easier. There's much less clothes. I mean, with football, you're talking about the helmet's got to be right. The numbers on the shoulders have to be right. Uh, the, the way the players are wearing their socks and, and tucked in and not tucked in. All that stuff has to be airbrushing stuff to a T uh, to get it approved by the leagues and stuff. And so just everything is kind of pushed pushed behind. So once we get even these events back on track, it'll help us to get back on track on our end and kind of get everything flowing. And and it's not just us, right? It's it's all the companies that are having the similar similar issue, whether it's workers or paper or materials or whatever it may be. It's just – that's right. just where we are right now as a as a country. Look how jacked this dude is. Do, uh, that dude's arms are huge. Do do you feel, you know, a lot of times like in mass change, innovation will come out. Do you feel there's been a little bit more ability to play or innovate? Like, you know, the consistency of the schedule year over year products and then what's happened over the last two years. Has there been conversations and you guys or do you feel maybe there's a little bit more room to innovate because of all the change that's happened? And, and has anything been maybe birthed, you know, over the last 18 months because of the, the rapid kind of change in, in how things are going? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously with COVID, I mean, it kind of with some of us working from home or whatnot, you're not kind of around everybody to kind of, you know, have the same kind of banter that you would to kind of, you know, throw out ideas. Um, but I mean, it's, we still, you know, when we come to making a program, we can all jump online together and kind of hammer out what we would like to see and whatnot. Um, I believe it's illusions that, you know, uh, Tim Yoder, who, you know, is another brand manager on the football side, you know, he's doing some, uh, little hologram type S cards that'll be coming out. And so nice. I, you know, you talk about innovative stuff like that, you know, it's good to see. It gives us a chance to kind of, we know what we already have in the program, we just want to better it, you know. So being able to kind of throw in those case hits or, you know, unique kind of card inserts like that, you know, is what we really want to try to add to the programs because it kind of gets us excited about, you know, when it does come out. Yeah. Do you have a favorite insert? Oh, man. Um, that's a good one. If uh, you designed it, it doesn't count. No, no, no. Um, I think I, I fell in love with the color blast, but when they did the uh, the obsidian, the black version of those, I think those really stood out a lot. Um, I really love those when we were coming out with that, but there's all kinds of, you know, unique inserts from the Kabooms to even, you know, prestige with the heroes that they had there. I think those ended up looking really nice, so. 
those aren't even short prints and they're yeah. trading for 20, 30 bucks for key players. So as we, uh, as we get ready to wrap this one up, just want to get an idea of like, what product are you each looking forward to that's going to be coming out here, uh, football related, that's going to be coming out here in the next month or two? What, uh, what's kind of really on your mind is one that you're, uh, you're excited for? Uh, for me, it's coming out shortly. Um, probably Spectra. I, I love Spectra. Um, there's just all kinds of, you know, we get the, I don't know where we come up with just some of the weirdest, craziest type parallels for that program, whether it's the splatters or psychedelic, the psychedelic or, you know, whatever it means, neon marbles, things like that. And, and I know they've added a couple more this year. I can't think of them off, off the top of my head, but, um, but I, I like Spectra just because of, um, uh, you get some on card in there and you get just a ton of hits in there and the ink color, um, uh, variants on the uh, on the rookie autographs I, that that's one of my favorites every year um just because it's it's a different kind of you know it's thicker than all our other chrome brands that we do things like that so it's just it stands out and it's always been really good even though it's struggled in other sports a little bit in football it's always been really really solid and then uh i want to say it's not even one that i'm working on i think it's a uh, black that's coming out i think they did some uh, good changes to the on-card elements there i think you'll see some pretty unique designs there smoke show signatures yeah some of those really turned out nice and with them being on acetate you know being on acetate they kind of try to help get away from the chipping issues that they have there so i think that'll help out a lot but that's definitely one i'm excited to see come out you guys have been talking about like the acetate and like the it's like such a funny little inside right you notice the same thing right it's like an insider industry thing of like acetate cards are better than like what is it chrome optic i think that's what the other one's called optichrome optichrome yeah Yeah, it's just so funny hearing you guys talk about that is there a product that hasn't released recently that you would like to see come out i think you mentioned vertex before and that we want to implement. I mean, I'm I sure mean, you guys are putting out so much stuff at this point. It's yeah, like, I mean, I was always kind of a little bit of a sucker uh, for noir and preferred on the basketball side. Okay. Um, I think that, you know, the silhouettes were always a mm-hmm. pretty good Noir has the there. sneakers too, right? Yep, and sneaker spotlight there. I thought that was always one that, you know, I think would uh, translate well to the football side. But at the same time, you know, we do have a program that's somewhat similar, you know, with black already kind of having that kind of same look. So, you know, some of those are be some cool ones to kind of mm-hmm. uh, bring over to that side. Chronicles is a good place for that too, right? Because you can kind of throw different stuff in. Yeah, Chronicles is kind of, you know, the, all the brands that we don't really touch on and just kind of throw together and, you know, throwing the RC tags on there. You're just hitting rookies galore there. So I think uh, people kind of like that aspect yeah, of it. of course. And we have to be a little more uh, original with Chronicles too because when the distributors kept, they were begging for us to do it because it had been so successful in the other sports and we're like, we don't really have the brands to do it, right? I mean, we produce so many more than our other sports but then it's given the guys like a good testing ground to try well okay well i'm gonna do this form of acetate well i'm gonna okay we know we're gonna do clearly donners but let's bring back momentum and let's use the one from 2000 and see if that works and that's cool and let's also try this and so um you know or let's you know chrome up the the score or you know we're going to change up the substrate and we did i think we did lumens on chrome last year i think we did it on like matte finish this year and stuff so it's it's kind of a cool place because because we're not fitted into oh well we have to do all these brands that we don't typically mm-hmm. do because we already do those brands those guys just have like an open palette to kind of be totally Makes creative and totally yeah. find new stuff an, to do a nice like creative like cleanse for you guys to like mess around and do fun stuff right yeah that's yeah. cool and Tom's like the next one. So you... yeah, yeah, that's right. Nice. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, this is fun. Appreciate yeah. it. Man. Thanks for having us on here, guys. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
All right, now we have this conversation with the basketball product developers, David and Keith. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Card Talk. I'm Ryan, joined as always by Tyler and Lou. Today, we're going to talk with Brandon and Keith, two members of Panini's basketball development team. So, fellas, appreciate you guys uh, You guys coming on. Hey, thanks for having us. Thanks Happy to be us. here. Which one's Brandon? Which one's Keith? So this is Brandon. Know. I'm Keith. All right. Huge basketball fans? Yeah. Yeah, pretty big basketball fans for How sure. How cool is it to be like behind, like when you started rifling off some of just the products and like really knowing in depth? How cool is it to be in the spot that you guys are in as basketball fans? That's incredible, you know, um, following the sport your whole life and then being able to, you know, come to work each day and, and working on it and, um, the, you know, the passion that you have for it is, is, is just awesome. It, it really doesn't even feel like work most of the times, you know, when you come in here and, you know, you get to keep up with all the all the the games and stuff from the night before, the rookies who's performing well and whatnot. It's just a combination of, you know, two of your two of our favorite things, you know, that we've that we've grown up with so much passion with over the years. Um, Keith's been doing it a lot longer than I have, so I'll, uh, you know. Fired. Keith, Early. who's your squad? Yeah, right? Who's your squad? No, no, uh, Brand is absolutely right. It's something that, you know, we do as a hobby on the side too, and it's, it's as you guys know, it's still a job, but being able to come in and have a tie-in with something that you really enjoy to do mm-hmm. in your free time is an extra bonus. So even when you're at home watching a game or, uh-huh. you know, looking at your collection or opening up packs and boxes, you know, you can still, like, if your wife calls you to do something, you'd be like, hey, I'm working over here. Market research. Market research. I'm working over here. Got to find the newest. This is the greatest. I'm like, I'm working. I'm working over here. Uh, do you guys have a favorite product? Mine's, uh, I always like hoops. Hoops is my favorite product mm-hmm. of the year because it's, you know, it's affordable. It's got probably the most players from from any team. And for me, the best part about hoops is fun to open. The inserts mm-hmm. are cool. You know, we want people to smile when they see them, maybe laugh. Uh, the more ridiculous, the better. But we like people to just have fun with it. So Nice. Personally, uh, one of my favorites is Noir, especially since I've started working up here at Panini. Um, you're really able to go in and it's it's one of our unique products every year that we're able to express, you know, ourselves as a product development team or, um, you know, what we're able to relay what fans and collectors and stuff are looking for. We combine, you know, the, the pop culture aspects, you know, in it, um, you know, along with just creative sets and stuff that we never, you know, we don't do in any other products, the metal frames, you know, stuff like that. Um, but mainly, so I, I have, we have a really good time, you know, working on the sneaker spotlights and, uh, you know, getting the feedback and stuff from those each year, the showtime signatures, the athletes showing up to the stadiums and stuff in their dress clothes and their, you know, funky outfits. So, um, Noir is a program that I, I think we all enjoy working on every year. Mm-hmm. Um, we're really able to get creative and, uh, you know, and, and, and bring out our, um, our like fun. fandom and, and, and understanding that that's where the real market research is, is going into. Lou, you're popping one of those open right now. What is uh, that? Yeah. Oh, so me and, like weird signaling me and Ryan have been staring at each other here as I'm ripping open this box little by little. And he's like, are you nervous? And the answer is yes. <laughs> so I'm just trying to take I'm it slow. Too. I'm trying to take it slow. Going well, yeah, exactly. What, what's going on over there? Can I got a little noir. Let the people know. I want to go like one. I don't want to like do. I don't want to rip them too fast, but I know I am. So I'm trying to hold back a little bit. All right, what uh, what what's he looking for in there? What's kind of like the staple right now? Obviously, the sneaker spotlight. The sneaker spotlights, but there's still a lot of other awesome content in there to chase. You've got some very very nice parallel content, um, along with some inserts, the metal frame inserts and stuff to chase. I uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Keith, but I don't I don't believe that we do the metal frame inserts in too many other places other than Noir. 
they're limited all to 25 or less. Um, of course, the gold frame out of 11 is in the FOTL SKU, but um, um, I, I do like the jumbo patches in there. Some of them that can actually feature the Nike brand logo on there. Mm, yeah, it's always um, huge. Those are cool ones to chase. And uh, I also think our design team and the creative team did an amazing job with the memorabilia of the jersey card sets in there this year. Um, it's always mind blowing to see what you know what kind of new designs they can come up with year after year. Just when you thought you're, you know they've used all their designs you know that they hadn't uh, you know in their back pocket, they come out and just one up themselves from the previous year. So mm-hmm. um, I love the mem content this year in there as well. We've got loose in here like like a like a eight year old next to like a cookie, where it's like you tell him not to touch it, and he's like Ryan's like staring at me because he's <laughs> jealous that he's not ripping it. But what I wanted to ask you guys about a little bit was obviously basketball cards have seen an exponential slash outsized growth as opposed to other sports, right? Has that given you guys any more, I don't want to say pressure, but just like even like worry about like do it, trying too many different things or are you guys keeping it fresh and like trying things out more? Um, how about like, where, where does that sit? I, it's it's a tough balance because you know when when the market gets hot like this obviously you want to meet the demand but the other thing we're trying not to do is create another junk wax era we don't want that yep. so the challenge for us our main challenge is being able to get the product out there in people's hands but still making it limited because you want you know you want a wide release but you still want the sure. things that people collect and you still want it to have that value so you know, with, with a boom like this, when you're trying to hit the demand, when the market's just absolutely exploding, that's our biggest challenge is to make sure the stuff is still collectible and valuable. Yeah, it's it's weird where obviously the value of boxes has gone insane. And I forget who we were talking to earlier about it. Um, just maintaining the value per box, right, is like yeah. something that you guys find a little bit of. That's like the biggest challenge, I would imagine. Well, yeah. And, you know, it's kind of scary for us when we see a product come out and it's selling, you know, it's trading hands on the secondary market for two and three times SRP. The one thing that, you know, it's kind of scary because we built it to hit that SRP. And when it gets above that, you know, you get a little bit nervous, but... And then you it's know, two I, times the SRP. Yeah, and then it's three, three times. times. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> but I mean, now, like, like two years ago when that first started happening, it really scared us. And now... You know, it's still it's still nerve wracking, you know, to to know that the expectation is there for that. But we've seen as as guys like Brandon have come in, you know, the last couple of years have been great learners and they're actually teaching us stuff now because they're you know, they're right in the middle of this market when they come in here. Yep. You know, it's 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 nerve wracking, but it's not as bad as it was because we know we know the contents there. We know the work's been put into it. We know that the guys have thought through it the right way. And we know that when you know, people are open it, they're not going to be disappointed. Yeah, it's also a little bit out of your hands, right? Like you can't, like, yeah, I mean, something we've talked a lot about is like the pricing honestly makes no sense. If like two years ago you'd have been like, yeah, a box of Noir is 1500 bucks, you'd be like, what? You know what I mean? So, um, it's, it's very, it's actually might be kind of freeing, I would think, to it's like kind of out of your hands. And, and as product developers too, one of the you know one of the hardest things for us, especially you know when we're talking two to three times SRP, is just tr- anyway trying to go in there and you know when we're re- revisiting a program from a previous year is how can we add value into the program you know but not you know not taking it too far, not overextending it or throwing too much in there all at once. So it's just kind of finding that that nice little balance there of getting new content in there that's collectible and that you know that will be received well in the marketplace. Um, but you know, but also saving stuff for future years and stuff that you can still grow your product lines with. 
um, you know, looking forward. So it is a, it is a tough balance, especially when, you know, when we're in the waters that we're in right now. One thing that I want to just pick your brain on is like cross departmental or cross sport, I guess you could say. And, and like the amount of, you know, logos and brands and SKUs and lines, you know, the, the football, there's the football crew we just spoke to and they've got kind of their vertical. Are there any like cross verticals product that either you guys have been integrating of recent or that you look at and say, hey, I wish we could kind of, you know, bring that or dabble that into the into the basketball space? Oh yeah, all the time. That's 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 one of the things that I enjoy most about it, is talking with the other guys uh, that work on different sports, researching their products, seeing feedback and stuff that they get on you know Instagram, Blowout, eBay, all that kind of stuff, and you know seeing what is not only collectible in basketball, but like you said, football, baseball, soccer. Uh, you know our new UFC our UFC line and, and stuff like Huge, that, and yeah. and just you know just kind of see what 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 is being well received out there in the marketplace. So um, and and not every time something that works in another sport is always going to translate directly to our basketball line right yeah. anything do you have a specific example that maybe you thought was gonna like pop and, and didn't wasn't received that well or something that all of a sudden took off you know and, and it was like wow that kind of came out of nowhere i think uh i maybe not one that didn't translate i might keep like i said keith's been around a little bit longer but one that i know that that uh that we did pick up from another sport was um i think baseball um, they first did the color blast insert and we saw the type of success that a you know a far long you know long chase hit insert like that um you know how collectible it could be and you know how, how valuable and how popular it could be amongst collectors especially player collectors when you only have you know a very very small amount of those out there um you know just and just just a set like that um keith may be able to uh, to add something onto a set that you know we maybe tried back in a year like 13 14 or a year like you know 16 17 that you know when when we developed the product and built it out we thought man this is going to be a home run everyone's going to love it and whatnot and it just it, for some reason it just didn't you know go over too well with collectors yeah and then five years later they love it all of a sudden like, it pops up right look like <laughs> geniuses no i think i think brandon hit it right on the head there the 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 fact of the matter is that all all sports collectors collect a little bit differently mm-hmm. everybody collects but there are certain things that that ring truer in basketball than they do in football, things that work in football that don't do in basketball. So while we go through, you know, everybody else's product lines and and look at kind of what they're doing. Um, perfect example. I'm looking at your your elite box here. Yep. You'll you'll notice uh, when when basketball comes out here in the next week, products are very similar, but the breakdown and the way they open is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And that's because we take similar ideas. We have a lot of the same inserts that they do. But we drop them in a little bit differently and put a, you know, a slightly different twist on it for basketball. For us, the, you know, low numbered parallels and sometimes not numbered parallels, you know, sell really well, especially overseas. So we work in, you know, whatever, whatever we feel that people are spending their money on. I can't tell you guys how much time all of us every day spend looking at the secondary market, just seeing what people are spending their money on. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, that's how they're going to continue to spend it. So we'll take something like... uh, you know, a hard to hit insert from the 90s that's selling for, you know, tens of thousands of dollars right now. And we'll look at the drop rates and we'll look at how they fall in the boxes and cases. And we'll try to mimic that, but update it for what the hobby's spending now. Um, sometimes we look at it at dollar per dollar. Sometimes we look at it how many packs it takes you to get there, how many cases. But we've taken, you know, the ideas and evolved them and we play on what the strengths are of the secondary market. That's interesting that you guys go into the secondary market. I mean, I guess it makes sense, right? They'd be on eBay looking around, but I never thought about it. Yeah, that's what I I wanted to ask you guys as kind of, you know, basketball fans, understanding of the culture. What what we have a lot of fun of 
is weird and fringe, you know, and I think like there's these pockets, something I talk about a lot is like niche is dead, you know, and sometimes you can go on eBay and you're like, what, like, where is this action coming from? Is there any like fun little pockets that you guys have like discovered? Cause then you like can lean into it a little bit in product, even if it's not so maybe obvious, is there anything that you guys have had fun with or seen like that's caught you off guard, even as basketball fans? I think uh, the first the first one that we did uh, years ago, we did a couple of inserts like Playmakers and Prestige back in 2013 and 14. And we started playing with long odds inserts because the you know, the one thing that we realized a long time ago was that if the industry keeps keeps building and building and building, the number of players we have in basketball is different than other sports. Mm. You've got smaller rosters, fewer players. So for us to compete, you know, head to head autograph content wise with some of the other sports that have much bigger rosters and, you know, more teams and, and, you know, a lot more resources, jerseys, all that stuff. We don't even have sleeves yeah. on our jerseys. Yeah. So, I mean, we've got to get, we've got to get creative <laughs> yeah, with fabric. how we use the stuff. Yeah. We're already, we're already at disadvantage when you talk about the memorabilia wise. cards are super hard to come by. <laughs> yeah, right. No, but so, uh, so, you know, we, we tried substituting some things in and some of those long odds inserts are where we started. But to go back to your question, the, the first year we did the Kaboom cards, we did these crazy art cards that were just real flashy. It didn't look like anything else in the product. And we were like, you know what? In the, the past, 2014 some of these, ones, right? or it was uh, 20, yeah, 13, 14. And uh, didn't look like anything else we did. And we were like, you know what? People like these weird, crazy, flashy cards. You know, the crazier you name it, People mm -hmm. go after it. I mean, who would have thought prism or silver prism or any of these yeah. these other words, Purple all the patterns prism. we have, velocity, all this stuff. I mean, that's common. That's that's in people's common vocabularies now. <laughs> and that was us sitting there just brainstorming one day and being like, man, velocity would be cool to say. And <laughs> and now people use it in, in their regular conversations every day. But yeah, the Kaboom was our first test on that. And then we've just kind of built on that. We have the downtown cards so that are also sweet. drawn. And we, you know, we just try to put something a little bit different in every product and find a spot for where it, you know, where it might belong, where it might fit. I think you've seen over the years, we've taken a couple of those and shifted them from set to mm -hmm. set to set because we don't want to lose the insert. And maybe the set didn't catch on, but that one insert did. Mm -hmm. So we always find a home for the good stuff and, mm -hmm. and you know, make sure it has a landing spot. Just want to throw out a, a, a word here. 2012 prism. Yeah. G give me something. Well, so, uh, you know, we, we recognized at the time that there was a, there was a void in the market for Chrome, um, or OptiChrome products. And we'd never, you know, we'd never done it before here. Um, if we had, it was years and years ago. So the, the toughest part for us was finding a vendor that could print them. I mean, uh, it's really odd when you look at print technologies over the years, like a lot of industries, they continue to grow and build and build and build. Well, for a long time in the 90s, when you had all those crazy inserts, they were using one print house and say, you know, guy retires or God forbid passes away. Uh -huh. The technology gets lost and sometimes it's trademarked. So we had to learn just how to print on OptiChrome to somebody that could, could meet our needs. And uh, it was a real chance for us. I mean, it took it took. It took a lot of uh, a lot of pushing to get to get something different done. It's a lot more work, first of all, than doing just a regular ink and paper product. And at the time, the company was much smaller, so we were trying to do this 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 huge build with such a small staff. <laughs> um, 
and I think you'll see that's part of the popularity of it. That that is so short printed. They're that's, so hard to find, and all you got in each box was was two of the two of the prism cards. Yeah, I think, and then it just built from there. I think those boxes are like the best thing you can own out of like anything super modern, in my opinion. That's not obviously like ultra high end. And that, and that really is a, just a test edition. I mean, that was our first foray into Optichrome. Yeah, yeah. I just it's one of those like. The lore of it, I think, will only continue to to grow stronger. Obviously, I'm sorry if you look at where it, you know where it started out at and where Prism's at right now. I mean, that's just like it just goes to show you know how much uh, the product has transformed over the years. I mean, all the different not you know not to mention the SKUs, but the you know the parallels and just how we've been able to grow that brand from where it started out at in 2012 and then you know where it's ended up at right now. It's crazy, and we're still growing it and you know and innovating at each year. So. Yeah, probably the you know the modern day classic set. Classic set, right? It's it's up there with 0304 Chrome. It's up there with 8687 Fleer. One of the 96 sets. I mean, it's that's just a, a, a massive set. But Keith, you were mentioning earlier. You said downtown, kaboom, stuff like that. We've we asked the last couple guys we were talking to. What's your like? What do you both think? Favorite basketball insert? I'll let you you go first, Brandon. We're gonna put you on the spot here. I'm gonna hmm. think for a minute because I've. I've got a insert. bunch of them. All-time favorite basketball insert. Um, well, I know, I know we've talked about it already a few times, but personally, my favorite insert would be the non-autographed sneaker spotlight set. Um, as these guys know, y'all may not know, LeBron James is one of my favorite players. So um, that's the one set where we get to include him at in there um, and showcase some of his, you know, some of his sneakers. But not only LeBron, but guys that we don't have autograph deals with, right? Russell Westbrook's. Um, you know, and, and, and the uh, T you know, some of the older guys that you know that, that don't like to sign as much, and that are well known, you know, in the in the basketball culture and the sneaker culture for the the basket, you know, NBA and what they've done with the shoe the shoe game and the, and the NBA and how they've you know been a huge part of that. So personally, um, you know, as a big basketball fan and a big sneaker guy, um, that one's my personal favorite. It's uh, it's 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 a tough one to beat, in my opinion. We did a we did a set a couple of years ago called Marquee, and um, that also was kind of a testing ground because we tested a bunch of new technologies. And I liked most most all the cards in that set, but for me, we did a uh, and I I think I, I think it was called Voices of the Game. We did a Voices of the Game insert. It was autographed, and we had uh, Dick Vitale and Craig Sager and Ernie Ernie, Ernie Johnson in there, and those cool. those were my three. Those are the three you know, favorite cards of mine that we've done in the time that I've been here. I love that set. Very cool. So as we, uh, as we wrap this up, one question as uh, similar to what we asked the football guys, a couple of products coming out here in the next month or so, next two months, what's on your radar that you're like really looking forward to in terms of like basketball product that's coming out soon? I think uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to Donruss optic because there's, there's always something about those, those on-card rated rookie autographs that 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 I've always loved, and the cool thing what we've done with that is as the product has expanded into the realm of retail, and we do the overseas releases now too. There's several different versions. So what we did to keep that pure is the base rated rookie signatures are only available in the hobby, and then there's like different color versions like blue in retail, right. and a couple of other ones. So we've we've separated them, but we've given everybody a chance to pull them in every version of the product you buy. But we kept the you know the original ones pure in hobby, and then there's a chance for everybody to get it no matter what SKU they buy. So I'm looking forward to Dumbers Optic.
I'm really excited for. Uh, I know it went on sale this past week. The new Donruss Elite Basketball. We've uh, we've made some some uh, some good changes, I believe, for the program. Um, we just QC'd it this past week, and you know, from what we saw, um, I think I think Donruss Elite is going to be a very very well received product. Uh, what what the are some of those? those changes that you just mentioned um the aspirations and the status parallels if y'all remember last year uh they actually did not have you know the die cuts or whatever on them that you know that they are so famous for and that they've always had um we got the uh, we got the die cuts on those this year and i think we kind of perfected the the status and aspirations feel um and freshen up some of you know some of the insert sets and just kind of got that feel that you know that, that football and some of the older donruss elite programs you know kind of had and brought to the table um and it's a program also that you know we're already working on you know next year and we're building off of this year's as well and we're gonna you know i see y'all open up some of the new football elite we're gonna implement some of the new technologies and stuff that they've been using on their inserts and parallel cards that you know we thought looked awesome so um i think elite's going to be a you know a big sleeper product and i'm excited to see how it uh, it gets received out there and in, uh, in the community amongst everybody so very cool awesome well we uh we really appreciate you guys taking time out of your busy days to uh Sit down and chat with us. Appreciate the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for Thanks having us. Anytime. Thank you guys so much for having us. Sweet. Good stuff. So for our final interview, we chatted with NFT blockchain developer, Brett. Really interesting conversation. Hope you guys enjoy it. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Car Talk. I'm Ryan, joined as always by Tyler and Lou. In today's episode, we've got a great guest on here, Brett. My man over at Panini leading the blockchain division. Brett, how are you? Doing good, doing good. Good. So this will be a, a fun conversation because I think Tyler is fired oh, yeah, up pumped. for this. He's yeah. itching. I'm pumped for this one. Uh, how uh, how do, How's the general vibe around blockchain products here at Panini? Like, do you feel on an island at times? Um. I would say the general vibe right now is just hair on fire. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, when we started back in January of last year, you, you know, we, we kept it very simple at the time. We kept it, uh, you know, we, we came out with a, a Dutch auction type product where um, we had uh, cards that would start on Monday, prices would trick down when you buy them. Not only do you get the card sent directly to your blockchain account, but we actually would take a physical version of that card that we had made and send it to you. Um, so, you know, we really tried to capture both the blockchain community, the NFT community, as well as even some of our physical uh, community. And, you know, we, we've done really well with that, you know, and, and we've tracked stuff within the NFT space. Um, you know, we brought in bonus cards that drop in some of the physical products that people can... Uh, uh, you know, buy a box of NT and get a, a bonus card in and, and claim that. And you get that version of that card in your, your blockchain wallet. And then, uh, of course, here recently, we've come out with packs. Um, you know, we've, we've seen what packs have done uh, for others. Uh, we've been excited to implement that into our portfolio and, and collection and, you know, give people the ability to, that's what card collecting is all about. It's about ripping packs and, and, and seeing what comes out of them. And, you know, uh, building that out, putting that all together, figuring out the logic that it takes within the blockchain to, um, you know, piece that together. Uh, It's been a journey because I mean, our team over in India XQ, they've worked around the clock to, uh, get the logistics figured out for this. Um, you know, be able to, 
give us something where we can deliver uh, and, and whatnot. We're just we're we're excited for not only how this has started, but where it's going to go. Yeah, there's. Can you quickly just lay out what that program looks like? Like this new kind of PAX program, fairly new to my understanding. Can you just give us a little high level overview of like what that program is? These prison packs that have kind of been dropping of late. Yeah. So we started with NBA. So we got prison packs right now. Um, basically, what we've done is tried to segregate. Uh, so we've got anything from a base pack um, that we list for ten dollars. And we put them out in waves, of course. Uh, and then we've had parallel packs. Today we've had a silver pack uh, that's had a couple different waves. We've got a blue circles pack that's coming in a couple weeks. Um, and then we'll have both gold and gold vinyl packs coming in the coming weeks as well, where you'll have cards number to 10, and then you'll have guaranteed one-on-ones in those gold vinyl packs. That's sick. And and is there, is it similar in the sense of, you know, a, a box of, of Prism? Obviously, there's numbered inserts, there's kind of defined scarcity, and then more of like the open-ended, you know, print run of just kind of the general volume. Is it similar approach kind of in terms of the base packs? Are there numbered inserts in there but generally speaking there's not a defined print run or scarcity around like the base level so we've talked about maybe getting to a point where we go to that direction we've seen other companies that have taken kind of everything and mixed it into like like what you would expect out of a physical pack what we've done today is we've we've really kind of fine-tuned it to the base packs you only get base cards and that's why we deliver it at that price point and then the parallel packs you get a guaranteed you know, parallel to 149, parallel to 99, parallel to 10 or one. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it becomes about really like who the player exactly. is, you know, and the moment. So in, in, you know, like, I guess blockchain, one of the kind of things is the ability to say, hey, like I, if I find Lou's wallet, I may not know that's Lou's, but I know exactly what he has in or there or how many, you know, and I think there's, within the hobby when you talk about the physical there's certain clues or things that you can do to back into like a print run number in a ballpark per se do, do have you guys built out the system to have that kind of shared visibility could i take a look at what lou has within his portfolio so everything's numbered that's the other piece too so the base set in this is numbered to seventeen ninety nine. All of the inserts are numbered to five hundred. So in general, and I think that's part of blockchain technology is people want to be as open and upfront mm -hmm. on what you're truly getting into, um, you know. And and by us taking it even a step further, we make sure to mint each card with a number on the image itself. Yeah. And by doing that. We're not going to go back and all of a sudden decide, oh, this base set's doing good. We started at seventeen ninety nine, but now we want to pump this number up to five thousand. Mm -hmm. No, we started at seventeen ninety nine. We're going to finish at seventeen ninety nine. Yeah. So once we're out of packs, we're out of packs. Yeah. There's no one going back minting more. There, even with uh, challenges, this week was the completion of our first challenge for the Net Marvel set. So the Luca ended at three oh seven. The most it could have been is five hundred. There's no just ability based to on go the back. sheer math of like how many people could complete the challenge exactly yeah, yeah. If, if everybody theoretically got their own set and there was 500 people out there because the that insert was numbered to 500 you could have had 500 so mm -hmm. we ended up with 307 mm -hmm. that's all that's ever going to be minted of that specific so are, card are those other 193 or whatever it is burned they're gone they're gone yeah, yeah. 
So, but and and but it's even a case of we get to the point that Tuesday morning happens. Um, our team in India, they go in and they create these and they mint these and they mm-hmm. minted them to 307. And then you have a email that goes out to let people know the challenge is completed. Congrats, you won. And now they can go in and they can click a button. Yep. And it's random. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you could have been the first person to click your button. But yeah, it doesn't matter. It right. doesn't matter. You may have gotten card number 200. That's yep. what you got. So what about... Uh, Tyler knows this blockchain thing better than me, but what I'm going to, the question I'm going to ask, I apologize if it's a stupid question. The, a big piece of a lot of these projects has been like what technology it runs on, what chain chain it runs on, I guess is the right word. Mm-hmm. Is that publicly available information for you guys now? Like what word, like technology are you using? 100%. So uh, I, I don't know the full ins and outs of the tech sure. space of it. I know ours is called a Hypertooth Saw Ledger. It's a, uh, um, it's a company that our IT group has worked with, and that's what our blockchain runs on is that uh, technology. Got it. Yeah, so to my understanding, it's it's a, kind of a proprietary ecosystem that's been created, and it, and it lives within itself. So there's, there's kind of what I would call Patini blockchain world, and it all kind of lives within in that blockchain. So I couldn't trade you, for instance, a CryptoPunk for a Prism card, um, but you can exist within in that kind of panini world what i wanted to ask you a little bit is i you know the way that you lay out even that the base kind of is numbered and and the transparency in supply Mm -hmm. leads to a much whether you want to call it healthy or transparency or even involvement in the secondary market i believe and whereas a lot of times whether it's in the sneaker world or i believe even in the car world kind of the manufacturers have have been aloof or kind of raised their hands up and said we're not we're not in control of of that secondary market well in this i mean you guys actually own the marketplace you mm-hmm. know and, and there's like whether it's the fees or what have you that's a bit of a different mo- business model than even the football guys or the basketball that guys that just were in here they can gain insights from what's happening on the secondary market but they're not in control of it is there different things you think about are there things that you pay attention of the trades that are happening in the secondary market on your own platform that you then infer as you guys continue to develop what kind of gets put out so really we won't do anything different than what the physical product guys do here the physical product guys they go on things like ebay uh you know com c things like that they track and see what inserts are popular what parallels are selling well we're doing the exact same things we're we're i'm taking that data and looking at uh you know these silvers as they get out there as they hit the market what's the average sell of them how are they doing and we're looking at you know the net marvels that happened over the last week. You know, you you see what the price fluctuations are, and we'll we'll take and determine and dictate just just how we do on the physical. I mean, that's that's even my background, starting with the with the NBA, the the basketball guys. Um, that's where I learned most of my stuff from, and it's 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 a place and a space that that I'm familiar with. That you track that stuff, the better things that collectors seem to hone in on and want year in and year out, we're going to keep those. The ones that eh, maybe just didn't hit the the needle, those are the ones where you fine tune. And the great thing with this is we have such a portfolio to play off of here. I mean, think of inserts like Color Blast, like Kaboom. Uh, you know, within the even the basketball space right now, 
people have seen the schedule, the four inserts that we have out there are net marvels. We have high voltage that hit on Tuesday. Next week, we've got the prism flashback from this year that was really popular in that set. And then we're going to end it with the noir sneaker spotlight set. You know, it's funny, Ty. It's like a lot of IP. Like, it's like an unlimited amount of like different designs that they can play off of and offer over time. It's so crazy. It's a complete reset of everything they've ever released. Yeah. Now, now Brett, one of the things I want to ask, again, Lou mentioned it with, you know, his statement. Tyler is our resident NFT expert, so I apologize for sounding silly, but I'm a lot more interested in personally more. I've been more interested in the physical card. Do you see that crossover continuing where they're inserted into like national treasures or you do more of the stuff like again where you started with blockchain where there's a physical card and the digital asset do you see that continuing um or do you think the brand like the the nft space and the physical card space completely go separate or do, will there be that cross collaboration no i mean i think the great thing with nfts in general and blockchain technology in general is there can continue to be a physical and digital pairing there so and not in the sense of even just a what we have now with the Dutch auction. So we do have the, our Prism Multisports starting again coming up this next week. And you have like a card like a Trevor Lawrence is going to go up. And you can buy that Trevor Lawrence at any time as it does on the Dutch auction. You get that physical component. Not just something like that tied into it. Think about um, uh, us having the ability within this or a pack drop in this to have a golden ticket in there or something that when say a select first off the line goes for sale that you have the ability to go ahead and be the first in line to say get one of those at srp or as just a, a straight giveaway there's giveaways we can put in there uh you know we have a panini authentics like say we want to put signed jerseys or or sneakers or balls or something in there we have the full ability to do that and put certain you know golden tickets in there for people to cash in um there's also going to be aspects put in in the future of the ability to, say, take even a set like this that really in the crypto world, when it comes to a base set from what we've seen from other companies, numbering a base set to $17.99 is very scarce. Agreed. We've seen other companies that, I mean, heck, took some of their cards, started around 8000 and they're up to 40000 on base sets now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and but say take even our set to $17.99, what if we have you go collect a certain number of cards and burn those cards? So not only we create more scarcity mm -hmm. within the marketplace, but then you have some kind of a giveaway or a raffle involved with that. There's so many physical products we can still tie into this that I can definitely see a future where we continue to tie in physical with digital. And I must say again, I've, I've never Keep done going. this. I've never done this before. Right, so we've got some unopened packs here, some of these Prism base packs where I'm opening up as we're talking. And like we've talked about this a lot on the podcast, but the instant gratification portion of this makes this super intriguing. Like I'm like sitting here swiping through these packs. I'm like, it's oh, like playing oh, blackjack on your phone. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. show me the cards. I mean, we're sitting in a, you know, we're, we're here at Panini, right? So there's cards all over the place. And like to be able to sit here and like rip this, I'm like, I haven't pulled anything amazing so far, but I'm like, I got to get a couple more of these. These are, these are, these are entertaining. Yeah. Can you speak to the differences? I think I, I've been trying to figure this out myself. The differences between a product like a Panini Dunk or something like that, as opposed to these blockchain cards, I've always thought of those as more of like games as opposed to cards. But I think a lot of people, myself included, 
earlier early on were under the impression that like when Panini decided they were going to go in on NFTs, they would use an app like a Dunk or a Blitz. So my understanding of some of that is when it comes to an app that is set up like that through an Apple uh, type platform, you can't get into the monetary pieces that you can on blockchain technology. Mm -hmm. And within blockchain technology, you open yourself to spaces in the crypto world, even through PayPal, how we have it now, that all of a sudden you can monetize these assets. And, and I know there's workaround ways to monetize those dunk type sure. assets through eBay, trading cards, stuff like that. But it's, it's, it's not the same and, and kind of speaking towards that instant gratification of, of, you know, trusting the person on the other end. This one's just like a normal PayPal transaction. So you have that ability to, to sell something and immediately that new card that you purchased is in your account. That per person that purchased that card the money's in their account. It's similar to like a ComC. ComC is is a space where you send in your physical cards. There's scans of it there. You purchase it. Boom. That card's immediately in my account. It's mine now. I can tell them, hey, send me my card if I yeah. want to, or just leave it there. So yeah. So then you definitely don't view something like a dunk as like a quote unquote like crypto yeah. NFT type thing. In its current space, it's it's not. It's cool. it's not because it's not built on the same technologies. There's not a way currently to um, take those and move it to a um, uh, even a public chain. Eventually, there could be. Sure, there could be a way to bridge those from the app as it as it sits now and move it to even our private chain or to a public chain. Um, part of the uh, um, how that's set up now, though, is, you know, NFTs weren't thought of, I think, when, when we first started creating those. Definitely not. No. And, mm -hmm. you know, the numbering conventions, some of the thoughts that have been put into how do we design these cards? Uh, you know, where do we lay out necessarily where we want these cards minted? What do we want them minted to? You know, you have open edition sets, kind of what we talked about earlier within that platform that the numberings on the back. And it continues to grow as more people open packs. Right. And in general, that's not really been what NFTs are about. NFTs are about scarcity. It's about transparency. And that's more so what our blockchain's set up for compared to something like Dunk. Interesting. Uh, kind of as a, as a wrap up, I think it is a fun way of back with, you know, all the IP, you know, that you guys have and, and really your... 20 months into you know kind of january 2020 was that launch what's uh has it been a, a real shift obviously the explosion in in the you know uh, demand similar to kind of card the, the the physical market obviously the nft market has exploded ha have has your door been knocked on a little bit more from different departments? Has there been more conversations around, okay, this is a little bit more of maybe a, a, a serious foray into this thing. Which IP should we be thinking about? What's, what's that been like kind of for you? You know, as like I mentioned, we opened, Hey, are you on an Island? I, I would imagine that's not the case anymore. And there's a lot of, of, of different, you know, players looking to, to collaborate, you know, across from their IP and into, you know, what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, we, we've we spoken with a few people individually on, you know, doing even player-specific ones and things like that. You know, the one great thing with, with us looking into those is 
we have licenses, we have league rights. You've mm -hmm. seen players that put out their individual projects right now. And, you know, you notice on that stuff, they don't have marks. Yeah. They don't have their jerseys and stuff like that. It's very scrubbed imagery and things like that. You know, so we're definitely open and always looking into what player could technically be the first to do a Panini player-specific NFT set and what does that look like for us? Uh, you know, it's 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 definitely a one day at a time mm -hmm. deal right now. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, started with the Dutch auctions, branched into the bonus cards. Now our focus is fully on packs and mm -hmm. and and expanding those through our different licenses and stuff like that. Um, you know, you're going to continue to see more and more of those. Um, Any that you're specifically excited about? as an individual IP wise or licensed to, to kind of bring into the, uh, you know, into your fold onto the blockchain? You know, I'm, I'm biased and I'm glad that we got to start with basketball. Cause that is my background. When I started here five and a half years ago, I've, I worked on basketball. So that's, I was comfortable in that space. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, it's a lot to learn all of our different sports and licenses. Cause you have so many different rules between the different leagues, the organizations, uh, some of them, you know, if we have the full exclusive license, we're dealing with both the Players Association and the league. Mm -hmm. Some of them, like a like a baseball, it's just the Players Association. But, you know, um, I I am excited to see just how some of these are perceived in the market. You know, I think uh, I, I think we've been good in where we've set the scarcity for this basketball set and it's 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 a challenge 99 is scarce yeah and it, it but it's a challenge amongst each league because mm -hmm. you know there's there's collectability amongst each league and there's there's a different base of of collectors and, and then the crossover with also understanding of the technology and interest on the digital side exactly exactly yeah. so you know you may not see the same numbering component necessarily for a basketball that you see in say I think our next one coming out is going to be UFC. Yeah, that you'll see some UFC NFTs nice. here here in in August, That's uh, so sweet. right after the basketball ones get done. So, nice. what's um, final question? What's the most in demand single card in the program <sighs> on secondary right now? Um, I would say if it ever came up for auction the single probably most in-demand card would be the kobe card from nt from last year i know the the person when they bought it at the time i believe paid about seventy eight thousand dollars for it so i couldn't even imagine what and they bought that on public auction that it was done that was that was on our oh, dutch, on dutch, on dutch that was gotcha. our dutch yeah so that was our dutch and that was pre uh you know unfortunately kobe passing even so I think uh, if that one ever showed itself as far as that owner mm -hmm. putting that out there, I could only imagine what something like it, or even the Zion from that year, the Logoman autograph yeah. from that was right behind Kobe value-wise. I think those are the two most expensive Dutch auction cards that we've seen to date, um, just on the front end. Yeah, I love it. I, I think there's two things I'm really excited about. One. I think there was a little twinkle in Ryan's eye, and I, and I foresee him starting to dive into this. And, and two, I obviously have a lot of passion for this space and kind of the first real conversation. I, I haven't had a foray into it, so I'm excited to dive in, and I, I foresee us having some more chatter on the uh, on the pod going forward about, about all things <laughs> Panini blockchain. Appreciate, appreciate yeah. the time, Brett. Thanks, uh, boys. 
it was a it was a fun like i said like tyler said it was a little uh little eye-opening so i'm intrigued to learn a little bit more ryan's excited that's always good when ryan's excited by the way but appreciate you coming on and chat yeah, with us no problem thanks, thanks for having me thanks, thanks Brett. Brett. cool that's a wrap on card talk this week please subscribe to the show on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever else you listen and get notified when we publish a new episode It'd mean the world to us if you gave us a five-star rating and shared this episode with a friend. We'd love to answer your questions, so email us at cardtalkpod at gmail.com, and we'll get to it in the next episode. Card Talk is a 1.37 p.m. podcast and a Gallery Media Group original production.